This is the Box Gathering Podcast. We take a deeper look into how learning affects boxing development and how our understanding of this as coaches can make a greater impact on performance. Catch up with us at www.theboxgathering.co.uk. The Box Gathering. Connect, share, grow. So if you've heard this podcast before, you'll know that I'm quite a fan of more of a problem-setting approach, more of a um, what they might call an ecological dynamics approach, where you're basically setting the scenario, setting the environment, setting the constraints to help the boxers tune into the information they need to, so in other words, what they need to do. So getting their attention focused on, on what they need to do, um, but also causing problems through that. So being more of a problem setter, and the boxers explore that and try and find out different solutions and movement solutions or, uh, and seeing the skills emerge from those. Um, so, yeah, rather than being an autocratic kind of telling all the time. And don't get me wrong, I understand there are times where you do need to tell, especially in a sport where it's, uh, you know, safety is paramount. Um, you know, we can't have boxers who are keep completely getting it wrong all the time and taking shots because, you know, ethically that's wrong. You know, you know health-wise, that's obviously... Uh, that's an issue. Um, but I, I do like to pass on the learning to them. So, you know, the more they come up with the answer, the more likely they're to reproduce um, the solution. So we're practicing the solution, not the answer, and over and over again. Okay, you might have heard that. Um, it's a bit of a, a soundbite, isn't it? You know, can they practice solutions to the problems um, um, or the process of the problems rather than just um, repeating the answer over and over and over again. So, you know, why stand and hit the bag a hundred times with straight shots when actually you could be moving your feet and having problems in front of you and choosing when to throw the shot, etc. Okay, so um, just wanted to speak a little bit more about sparring. Um, and I'm going to do a lot more sparring on these because basically it's kind of a selfish way for me to empty my head and reinforce some of the stuff that makes sense with some of the stuff that I've been doing at DICE and at my club. So, yeah, as I mentioned, looking at different ways to be... Uh, have adaptable sessions rather than just, um, you know, kind of regurgitating and reproducing, reproducing uh, skills that boxers or techniques that boxers have already learned in isolation. Um, so one thing we did the other day, very simple, I just wanted to get their minds working. So just partner, did a little bit of partner pads. Now, I used to do partner pads quite a lot, but I don't really like it that much anymore. Um, the reason being, I think one, one person becomes very uh, passive uh, while one person's active. The boxers often don't know really that effectively how to do it, so they always move, then hold their feet, and then um, it becomes this merry-go-round of just moving, stopping, punching, moving, stopping, punching, rather than actually punching on the move that they're punching and moving. Um, And, of course, there's half the amount of time as you're really being active and people get lazy and there's a lot of success rather than problems. Anyway, so that aside, I wanted to just do a quick bit of partner pads, but the, the constraint was, or the condition was, uh, for the first round, you just held a pad out, but the boxer had to throw single shots at the pad, but they weren't allowed to re- reproduce what they've done. Um, so they threw a jab, next time they might throw a rear hand, and then maybe a screw shot. Obviously, they couldn't shot, they couldn't throw any uppercuts because it was a, the pad was straight out. But then they start thinking about, okay, well, I just maybe if I pivot, I might be able to throw a hook to the um, to the target. So they start coming up with a lot more answers. So there's, there's a element of cognition, problem solving going on there but under a very low level of uh, stress or variability so then we move on to the second round um, and um, okay they can throw two shots to that straight target but again they can't reproduce so what they're doing is they're trying to uh, on the spot under a little bit of pressure um, go through the whole menu of what they've got so the way I liken it to is 
I want to see a menu. I want to go into this this cafe and have lots of different things on the menu I can choose rather than just going and getting fish and chips. Um, so they need to have work on their punch repertoire, but also um, reinforcing that by being under a little bit of pressure, knowing that they're not allowed to reproduce the shots that they've they've just thrown. Then we move on to three. So two pads can come up. They can hold those pads there for a while. The boxer then can try and throw four or five different ways of landing different combinations. Again, no reproduction. When they when they do reproduce um, and it goes stale, they have to try again. Uh, but then eventually the boxer can change, the, the partner can change where the pads are. And again, it's up to that boxer to try and find as many different ways to hit those pads um, as possible. Um, we always say that the answer is usually in the feet and the trunk. If they can't hit a shot, then they need to move their feet and find a new angle or move the trunk and find a new angle because there's always a, a new opportunity or affordance to act um, which comes up when that happens. So that was really, that was more about the priming of the brain, really kind of getting them thinking that problem solving part of the brain rather than just, um, you know, a physical warm up. Um, was there much, much motor learning coming from that? Was there much sort of skill act coming from that? A little bit but maybe not too much so but it was more of a kind of like precursor to what would come next so we'd follow the same sort of process but with a spar next so both obviously with the spar were active so we've conditioned spars so the first round would be you're allowed to throw one shot but you then the next time you're not allowed to reproduce it so you're trying to almost list the menu in front of the, your opponent um, but again no reproduction so the boxer doesn't really know what's coming next, and they're also having to really think. But the shot has to be, there has to be a reason why they're throwing it. So they can't just go, well, I'll throw a jab, then a backhand, then an uppercut, then a left hook, then a right hook. They have to choose as to why they're throwing it. So they need to be successful um, and, and try and land those shots. And there's an element of score. You can keep score with that as well to see, okay, well, how many shots did you throw and how many shots did you score? So there's an element of quality. So they're trying to get their feet into the right places or the trunk into the right places. So you've got that whole position before punch. So there's an element of thinking going on there. Um, then you sort of layer on the complexity a little bit, a little bit more variability while still keeping it quite representative. In other words, without sounding too much like, a, like an idiot with long words, uh, representative does it look like the game does it look like the sport of boxing right so now they can start throw to throw two shots each um, now again with two shots there becomes a lot more opportunity for different combinations so there's more um, there's more there's different outcomes that can come from it so you can throw a simple one two or a straight shot and a bent arm shot or a bent arm shot and a straight shot or one to the head one to the body um, whatever you want to do but then what might happen is you throw one shot the opponent moves their feet, you still got to throw that second shot. So what happens is the boxer then realizes, oh, I've just missed my second shot, so I really needed to move my feet in. So you've kind of almost got that dash, dot, dash, like Morse code. So it's almost, I throw the shot, ah, now I have to move my feet in, that's the dot, and then I have to throw the, another shot at the end. So they get to actually start thinking about adjusting their shots. So rather than selecting two shots beforehand and thinking, right, I'm going to throw a jab to the body and a rear round over the top straight, rather than just trying to gamble on that, it starts emerging that the first shot almost becomes a bit of a setup, and then they realise that the password's going to change in front of them, the boxer's going to start moving, and that they actually have to adjust between that shot. So rather than double downing and saying, right, I'm going to throw these two shots and I cross my eyes, uh, sorry, cross my, my fingers even, and cross your eyes, cross your fingers and hope that it lands, there becomes an element of adaptation. So I think what starts happening is, 
the boxer learns to adapt, they start moving their feet, adjusting their feet, repositioning themselves in a place where they actually can land the second shot. So it doesn't turn so much into a, a two-punch combination, but maybe a double attack or in some ways perhaps a, a second phase of attack. But they have to put a defence in before they throw that second shot. Um, but then if they are comfortable at that and they're a success, so let's layer it up again. Let's go up to the next level. Let's do three shots. So now the boxer has to throw sh three shots. So what I noticed started emerging from that is the boxer would either throw one shot, the opponent either hits them or adjusts and moves away, and then they've got two more shots left still to throw. They have to commit to those two shots. So again, the, foot, the feet adjust, uh, the trunk adjusts, or they really start thinking about their position before they do their first attack, which might be getting closer. It might be a little... Um, uh, it might be a feint or they might trigger the boxer to throw the punches first. So all these sort of skills start emerging uh, quite implicitly rather than you must do this first, you must do that. You just simply leave them with the, you can throw one, you can throw two or you can throw three shots. So that became really, really interesting. You start seeing the, the, the rounds changing in front of your eyes. The boxer's really starting to adapt rather than just going bang, bang, bang with three shots. It might be bang, bang, bang or bang, bang, bang. So, or it could be bang, bang, bang. Um, so there's little gaps in between, but they must complete that constraint of one, two or three shots. So then the final thing I did, which is kind of thinking on my feet, I thought, how can I actually layer on this so they, be, they own it a little bit more? So I said to them, okay, now choose what you want to do. You can choose one or two shots or three shots, but you must stick to that. And the other boxer can do the same. Um, so, so what happened is the boxer would always choose their favorite. So we had one lad, real tall lad, Okay, really good lad called Louis Kerwin from Golden Ring, one of Stu's boys. Um, tall, slim lad. I knew what he'd choose. I knew he'd choose one shot because he's a tall lad and wants to kind of keep him off. Um, and he was sparring against a lad called Logan Roseby um, from Titchfield, who's a, he's a really fantastic lad as well. Um, but he chose threes. So we had one lad choosing one and one lad choosing three. So the spa became very interesting because we had one lad who was trying to keep the gap and one lad who had to kind of close that gap down. So that became quite interesting and, again, quite representative of what you're going to see in a lot of bouts. You know, the tall lad, the tall boxer versus the, the short counter uh, sort of pressure fighter or box fighter, whatever you want to call him. Um, so they did that, but they were comfortable with that because that's what they wanted to do. Although there were still problems they had to deal with, they were comfortable with that. So then what we said is, okay, now you have to choose uh, whatever's left. So Logan had to choose two or one, and Louis had to choose uh, three or two. So now you start moving towards the end where they're less comfortable with it. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the learning really, really came into it. So they started seeing the argument from the other side. So... You know, the tall guys throwing combination punching and maybe having to push in a little bit more and hold his feet, whereas the other guys used to holding his feet, starting to move his feet and adjust. So I think it kind of showed people how they had to adapt, but also how people who box against them may adapt and what strategies they came up with. So I think inadvertently with that last part, it kind of like um, exposed them to different ideas. Um, and you saw a lot of sort of challenge on their faces because they were smiling and kind of understanding it. Oh, there was a lot of penny drop moments where, oh, I, saw, I see what you did there. People getting caught with certain shots or defending certain shots that looked um, like they were going to land, but they were, they were adjusting. So it was just that whole kind of messy learning style that I like. There was a lot of success, but probably more failure within it rather than this whole approach of sparring for performance sake. You know, I've got to hit you more times than you hit me in sparring. I mean, yeah, that's the name of the game, of course it is. But if we're not 
allowing people to make st- make mistakes, we're not allowing people to explore different things, then everything's always about performance and where's the space for learning? If we're always kind of like really focused on that tip of the iceberg, and what about all the detail underneath? So I just found that a lot of stuff emerged that I didn't expect from the spa, purely simply from just saying, right, you're allowed one, you're allowed two, you're allowed three, but then opening up choice. Now choose what you want to do next. They're always going to go with the stuff that's comfortable to them. And then they say, okay, well now choose the other side of that. And it's the uncomfortable thing. So I think lots of learning going there. It's something I'm going to reinforce with the boxers and space that learning out a little bit and come back to that in a week, week and a half's time as well. See what they remember, see what um, tactics they employed um, when trying to deal with with, um, the same opponent and see what starts to emerge from it. So, um, yeah, it's just something I wanted to share. Um, Even talking to you guys now is kind of um, ordered things in my head a little bit more. Uh, And I think with these podcasts, I want to go a lot more into my drive homes, which is what I'm doing now, just emptying my head, another way of me diarising, but um, sharing ideas. And please come back to me with your ideas. Have you done anything similar? What emerged for you? What did what did uh, what happened with the uh, um, what happened with your boxes basically? Okay, so final thing um, is sparring cards. So the box gathering sparring cards. Thank you to everybody who's um, been purchasing them over the last month. They've been flying off the shelf. It's been really really good to see all the feedback. Tons of messages come back about how it's really been helping it, helping the boxers, not just with the skill side of things, but kind of really freshening up uh, the coaches and giving them something you know, different to do, just sort of spicing up the ideas. So they're basically challenge cards. So they're challenging or problem setting for the boxers and see what they, they do when they have these certain problems in front of them. So 95 cards, 45 of them are challenges for round one, two or three, but you can pick and choose those as you will. All problem setting stuff, getting the boxers really thinking about how they're going to solve this problem. You know, all problems that you're going to see during competition uh, that we don't often cater for in sparring or when we do open sparring they never get to deal with those issues because it's just too random too chaotic and they're not really sort of honed in and focusing on on certain things that they need to develop so um, yeah 45 different ones that you can get there the other 45 are um, they're, they're basically feedback cards okay so we me and Ivan split those into three so the first 15 are about memory recall so when you start a session, it's about recalling information, stuff that you've been doing recently from recent spas, competitions, training sessions. The science behind that is if you have to recall information, you're more likely, more likely to solidify that in your brain, kind of fire and wire your brain together. So everything when you, when you learn, there has to be some kind of pathway in your brain of, um, of learning. So from neuron to neuron, so you're firing and wiring and making those um, nuance thicker basically so that information becomes more solidified uh, and more likely to fire when you need it so you're assign- taking it from that kind of uh, working memory and assigning it to the long-term memory and it's easier a lot easier to retrieve so when you retrieve that information um, it becomes a lot more easy to assign to that long-term memory and, and um, it's, it's there to use when you need it um, okay so that's a bit of a, a vague talk about why we do it but yes yeah, so those 15 are about retrieving information priming the brain for the the session then you've got the reflections in so you could call them a hot review so you're sparring here's a question you pull a card here's a question what did you see here why did you do that what would you do next time okay i'm interested in what you're seeing what, what do you think your partner's seeing so really getting them thinking out of the box and slightly differently to what they did would do so they get a real idea and understanding of what's going on um, and then the final 15 um, 
is is about more of a cold review, so a reflection on the session, but also goal setting. So you reflect on the session when things have calmed down afterwards. Um, you know, the, the adrenaline's gone a little bit, the hormone levels have sort of reduced, and you can kind of a bit more uh, objectively think about what's going on. So you can have a look there, and the boxers can really tell you what they, they thought they saw. So again, you're starting to solidify that learning about what actually happened, starting to get some understanding, but also just importantly, set thinking about what you're going to do for the next session so how you link those sessions together a little bit like the olympic rings you want those rings linked together not separately so your next session starts from a position where they know what they're doing they're not having to wait to be told um, and they're taking ownership of, of their learning so 95 cards 45 and 45 uh, again thanks for all those coaches across the country we've sent loads abroad as well for different um different countries who have um really engaged in using the cards so again it's really really interesting to see your feedback keep keep coming um back to me and to ivan with that feedback if you want a pack they're 25 pounds um and they're on the the website theboxgathering.co.uk so it's www.theboxgathering.co.uk keep that feedback coming in um thanks very much um i don't know how long that's been now maybe 20 minutes to chatting in the car hope you found something useful for it please send me some information about about some of the spas that you've been doing some of the conditions because i think i'm going to focus a lot more of these chats on condition spas okay guys thanks very much all the best speak to you soon ta-da so check out the Combat Learning Podcast by a guy called Josh Peacock over in the States. Some really fantastic stuff there, especially about motor learning and, um, and how we apply that to different combat sports. Um, so really, really uh, innovative stuff there. So please give that a, a listen, guys. And of course, my mate Scott Sivright over in Milwaukee, also in the States. Um, the man from Dundee over in the States now doing his thing and some brilliant stuff there as, as well about skill acquisition, motor learning and how he applies it. Uh, in the sport of MMA so give those guys uh, a look up on on any platform and I'm, I'm sure you won't be disappointed if you liked this podcast similar content and discussions can be found at the box gathering the box gathering is a social initiative born out of the ashes of the first lockdown in March 2020 we provide a platform where coaches, boxers, officials and boxing enthusiasts can join together online to discuss various boxing topics. It's free to join and upgrade options offer unlimited access to all our live gatherings, campfire videos and coaching resources. Join today at www.theboxgathering.co.uk.